When I retired, with lots of newfound available time, I enjoyed many travel opportunities. This podcast may encourage you to visit, revisit, or experience virtual armchair travel, learning about exciting new venues. Travel is an excellent vehicle for lifelong learning. Welcome to the What Travel Writers Say podcast number 13. I'm Mike Keenan, your host, and today we examine the amazing city of Rochester, New York, where music reigns supreme. Picture this. A bulky bass ambles by a minuscule piccolo. Three violins natter nervously in a corner. An agile cello darts easily around a placid guitar. Hurried, a tuba barely acknowledges the waving trombone and massive bass wrapped hermetically in its hard black plastic shell. They all look so young, these students, as I observe their bustling action inside the Eastman School of Music's chaotic lobby. The Erie Canal was employed to transport milled grain and lumber. It made Rochester America's first boomtown. It was home to many accomplished Americans. John Jacob Bosch and Henry Lom, optics pioneers, Hiram Sibley, co-founder of Western Union, Susan B. Anthony, women's rights champion, and abolitionist Frederick Douglass, who assisted Harriet Tubman to help the slaves escape via the Underground Railroad. However, the person who ultimately fashioned the greatest impact on this gateway to the Finger Lakes is George Eastman who invented the first flexible film camera that made cameras and photography available for the masses. A wealthy philanthropist, thanks to the lucrative Kodak company that he founded, his impact resonates even now as a benefactor of educational and cultural institutions. They include the Eastman School of Music, the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra, the Eastman School of Dentistry, and the George Eastman Museum. Eastman's generosity and wealth were formidable. At the end of one business meal, he donated $30 million to several colleges. Unfortunately, well into his 70s and afflicted with debilitating ailments, he ended his life in 1932 with a single gunshot, leaving an eloquent note that read simply, My work is done. To qualify for burial at St. Paul's Cemetery, the death certificate was fudged to indicate temporary insanity. There are many things to see and do in Rochester, but here are five venues that are my favorites. Number one, the Eastman House and Museum is a must-see. The area homes are stunningly beautiful. For us, a sea of yellow leaves glittered in the sun. Along a wall leading towards the entrance, ivy served as a reddish coat. One might spend an entire day here, attending movies in the evening. A National Historic Landmark, the residence was built between 1902 and 1905 on 10.5 acres of working farmland with formal gardens, greenhouses, stables, barns, and pastures. The 35,000-square-foot, 50-room Colonial Revival Mansion is a fireproof structure. It was made of reinforced concrete, and it included modern conveniences such as an electrical generator, 
internal telephone system with 21 stations, a built-in vacuum cleaning system, central clock network, elevator, and a great aeolian pipe organ. Upon entering from the foyer, guests were treated to an amazing glass-fronted lounge area with a giant elephant head trumpeting from a wall. The world's oldest photography museum was founded here in 1947. It boasts a collection of over 400,000 photographs from 14,000 photographers dating from the beginnings of the medium, including the largest collection of daguerreotypes outside of France. It also features 16,000 items of camera technology, 26,000 motion picture titles, and 3.5 million publicity stills and posters. The museum also contains one of the world's most comprehensive libraries of photographic books, manuscripts, and journals. Number two, the Eastman Theatre and the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra is another must-see. I was thrilled to see the Eastman School of Music's Orchestra, the Eastman Philharmonia, which was joined by four-time Grammy Award-winning soprano and Eastman alumna, Rochester native Rennie Fleming. Fleming returned to the Kodak Hall stage to delight the audience with her sumptuous voice and compelling stage presence. Under the direction of maestro Neil Varon, Miss Fleming and the Philharmonia premiered Letters from Georgia, a new work by Pulitzer Prize-winning composer and another Eastman alumnus, Kevin Putz. Many of the students I had watched earlier racing to classes were now dressed in tuxedos and black dresses and performing like pros. Number three, the Memorial Art Gallery. This remarkable collection takes one on a journey through more than 5,000 years of art history. From the relics of antiquity to contemporary movements, the gallery offers a panorama of the world's art. With the completion of the Outdoor Centennial Sculpture Park, the gallery's 14-acre campus has been transformed into a spectacular urban space. What I enjoy most is the special way in which curators use space to complement the exhibits. As I enter each gallery, I must pause to take it all in. A stunning visual treat, making each gallery exceptional. And I love the exquisite collection of marble statues and how they are framed. Referred to as the Mini Met, permanent collection of more than 12,000 objects has been called the best balanced outside of metropolitan New York City. And walking through the entrance, one is immediately greeted by a bronze Henry Moore sculpture. Not a bad start. Number four, the Jiva Theater. This is a wonderful downtown, easily accessible venue in which to imbibe more culture. I have enjoyed two plays presented here. Among Jiva's notable alumni are one Pulitzer Prize nominee, four Academy Award nominees, 19 Tony Award winners, 34 Drama Desk Award winners, 85 Drama Desk nominees, 11 Emmy Award winners, and 47 Emmy nominees. Kathy Bates, Josh Brolin, Robert Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Bill Pullman, Anna DeVere Smith, and Robert Vaughn have all graced the Jiva stage. Jiva exudes a warm, inviting atmosphere for its patrons. The theater lobby reflects tasteful renovations, and it is quite attractive with a video display of the past performing stars. Number 5. Rochester's city-run public market is located at 280 North Union Street. It has operated since 1905. Parking is tough, but bargains abound Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 52 weeks a year. 
On the busiest Saturdays, over 300 vendors offer fresh produce, ethnic delicacies, specialty items, and merchandise, all at remarkable prices. An array of nearby independent local businesses, cafes, food stands, coffee shops, florists, specialty food purveyors, and even a brewery can be found on the market grounds and in the nearby surrounding area. This is a great place to people watch as the farmers display their yields. Rochester is located within a 400-mile radius of 14 northeastern states, two of the most populated Canadian provinces, New York's capital, Albany, and the U.S. capital, Washington, D.C. It's only 107 kilometers away from Buffalo, New York. There are a few other venues I experienced that might be of interest during a Rochester visit. Artisan Works is a large, eclectic studio where resident artists create new works, and there I met Louis Perticone, its founder. Louis is quite a character, and he has created an assemblage of items that are splattered everywhere one looks in his multi-room industrial setting. It is staggering. So many pieces all vying for attention at the same time. Resident artists are encouraged to create and literally post their latest achievements here. I never tried LSD in my youth, but wandering through the eclectic collection of everything imaginable to be art, and many more items unimaginable, this might be the closest I get to the 1960s famed psychologist and LSD guru, Timothy Leary. Our first stop in Rochester was actually at the Genesee Brew House at 25 Cataract Street. Founded in 1878, the Genesee Brewing Company is one of the largest and oldest continually operating breweries in the United States, producing the Genesee line of beers, including the iconic Genesee, Jenny Light, and the original Genesee Cream Ale. The Genesee Brew House was originally called Building No. 9, the bottling plant, but it has now transformed its 9,200-square-foot industrial space, over 100 years old, into a beer destination featuring interactive exhibits, multimedia content, a gift shop, pilot brewery, and pub-style restaurant. The displays and gift shop are on the first floor, along with the tasting area, and below that, the actual pilot brewing apparatus. Food is served on the second floor. There is an elevator for those who need one, and for food to be brought up to the small open kitchen, which is stuck in a corner behind supplies. The 40-foot bar, constructed from barrels, was three deep with thirsty customers when we arrived on a Friday afternoon. My spouse and I both had Santa Fe salads with Jenny beer, of course. I also tried a Rocktoberfest craft beer, which was dark and quite pungent. The place was packed and loud, very loud. There is a terrace where I took a view of the Genesee River, which cascades over a falls in the middle of the city. We stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn downtown Rochester. This is Rochester's newest hotel, originally home to the National Clothing Company, established in 1924. It features high ceilings and marble floors, an arboretum, heated indoor swimming pool, fitness center with state-of-the-art equipment, and a convenient location. Our room featured a lovely king bed with delicious pillows. The bathroom was well lit and bright and featured a walk-in glass encased shower. The room was serviceable but crowded, the furniture seemingly oversized. Free Wi-Fi and a complete breakfast was available, with the room and the restaurant staff were efficient and pleasant. We didn't use the pool or gym, but visited both, and they looked fine. Location was a bonus. We could easily walk to the Jiva Theater and the Eastman Philharmonia. 
We enjoyed a dinner at Max of Eastman, located directly across the street from the Eastman School of Music. The restaurant's casual elegance attracts theatergoers with a cozy, warm atmosphere and tasty seasonal American cuisine. The menu offered five appealing appetizers, four salads, and six entrees. My spouse enjoyed a delicious free-range breast of chicken with Tuscan tomato bread salad and pesto pan juice. I enjoyed the tasty slow-roasted Canadian salmon with Israeli couscous, pickled radish, and herb creme fresh. Our server was attentive. Our water glasses always topped. Chef Goulas appeared at our table to ask how was our meal. I was impressed to learn of the restaurant's eco-friendly initiatives, recycling leftover fryer oil for biodiesel using recycled paper products, and working with Echo Lab to incorporate earth-friendly cleaning products. Space was limited and every table full, so reservations are wise, and because the area is small, it does get noisy. Nonetheless, it's a good place for a pre-performance meal. If you would like to read my published travel articles about Rochester, Check out my website, whattravelwriterssay.com. And if you would like to view countless pictures taken, visit my Pinterest boards at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648 backslash. Once again, my website is located at whattravelwritersay.com and my photos are located at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648 backslash. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me at mjk6648 at gmail.com. That's mjk6648 at gmail.com. We conclude each podcast with an appropriate travel quote. Today it's another gem from the philosopher baseball player Yogi Berra, who said, If you don't know where you are going, you will wind up somewhere else. Yogi had a flair for Eureka-like insights. Thanks for listening and happy travels to you. Tune in next week for another What Travel Writers Say podcast.